Radio Show, your home for car talk covering the latest news to the greatest views on the biggest names in performance, sports, and just plain cool driving machines. Let's rev up the conversation. Time for Driven Radio Show. Hey, all you gearheads and car fiends, welcome to Driven Radio Show, your weekly automotive happy hour. I am Brett Hatfield here with my co-host and engineer extraordinaire, Mr. Mark Groves. That's me. You know, I've told you this joke, but I haven't told anybody else this joke. Well, it's not really a joke. It's just something that happens, but it's never not funny to me. Oh. Mark's name is Mark L. Groves. Uh-huh. I programmed it in my phone as Mark L. Groves. For some reason, Siri decides to divert to Roman numerals when she reads his name. It is Mark 50 Groves, and it's never not funny to me. <laughs> it's Every time wrong. I tell her, call Mark Groves, and Mark 50 Groves. Mark 50. 50. It's to fitty. We are coming to you from the well-baked and definitely <laughs> oh dried God, out yeah. Driven Radio Studios. Uh, <laughs> saw a forecast for weather earlier in the day. Lava is supposed to roll down my street around 7 o'clock. I know. All the forecasters just stand for five minutes weeping. Oh, crap, man. I couldn't, <laughs> you know. Usually you try to you give somebody a cold shower to try and sober them up. Uh, this week I'm taking cold charge just because it feels better than anything outside. It's called survival. Holy crap, a moly, <laughs> man! It is it is ninety bazillion degrees outside every day this week. Just not happy, not happy. <laughs> uh, I want to give a quick shout out to Matt Osborne oh, yeah. from Alaska, Mister Alaska. Matt. Been sending us messages and emails, and Matt, we appreciate the email and we appreciate you listening. And Matt, because uh, you were nice enough to check with us and chat for a bit, uh, I wanted to share some important facts about Alaska. Uh, Up until 1983, there were four time zones in Alaska. Really? Yeah. That's news to me. That's weird. Alaska is the only state where all its letters are in one row of an English keyboard. Um, Yeah. I'm looking at my keyboard. You're not wrong. Put that in your smoke and pipe it. There you go. Um, State flag was designed by a 13-year-old boy named Benny Benson. (laughs) I'm sure there's a, an awful joke there. And uh, no, it's just the truth. And, uh, okay, the last one. What is the official state sport of Alaska? What do you think it is? Um, trying to get a wet Eskimo out of leather leggings. <laughs> Close. <laughs> it's right behind dog mushing. Is it really? Yeah, dog mushing is their uh, state sport. That's not code for anything. That means actually. Yeah. That, <laughs> Jesus okay. Christ. <laughs> No wonder they run so fast. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> my head's been in a bad place today. Mush. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm, if you I'm say so. so. Sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, Matt. That was that really went sideways. Uh, thanks for listening. Matt, we appreciate yeah. you listening. Uh, keep the emails coming. If there's anything we can do for you, please let us know. Where do we send them to? Uh, Alaska. Just No, no, not to him, to us. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> You can send it to Brett at drivenradioshow.com. You can contact us through the uh, through the website, uh, Driven Radio Show, or you can contact us, contact us through any of our social media, which, believe it or not, I have to scroll down to look at the show closing to remember where the hell we are. <laughs> you can find us online at drivenradioshow.com. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Driven Radio Show, and on LinkedIn as Driven Radio Show Podcast. And uh, if you need a mailing address, I will send that to you. I am not announcing our studio address over the air. Screw that. (laughs) (laughs) Done.
<laughs> Our special guest this week is Bella Zakia of Graveyard Run Restorations. Bella grew up helping her father with tiling, plumbing, carpentry, and roofing, and fell into mechanics after accidentally, accidentally, accidentally signing up for Bartow High School's small engine service technology class, where she found her love for cars. That led to McPherson College's auto restoration technology program, where Bella received a BS in automotive restoration. During her time at McPherson, she, she did not sit still. This girl was busy. She co-chaired the famous cars show that I go to and then yeah. you know, go to and act like the sausage king over at Luke's afterward. She interned at the Tampa Bay Auto Museum, Enfield Auto Restoration, and Barrett-Jackson. Whoa. Bella, welcome to Driven Radio. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, you've been on my list for an awfully long time. And, uh, you know, you keep removing the list and people say, oh, no, I'll do the show. And then they bail and you can't find them. And I've, I've been meaning to have you on for quite a while. I'm so happy we finally managed to get you. Honestly, didn't think it would call. So it works out perfectly. <laughs> oh, no, no, that's horrible. I was going to call just because you yelled at me once upon a time doesn't mean that I wasn't going to have you on. Oh, who hasn't? Come yeah, on. we're getting to that. We'll get to that. That small engine class in high school really opened your eyes and your heart to the car world so much so that after graduating, you started building hot rods. Tell us where you went and what you did. So I actually, um, I hadn't wanted to go into hot rods. I was looking for a restoration job and I couldn't really find anything. Um, and a friend of mine from my hometown found this hot rod shop in town and he sent me down there. It's called Detroit Muscle Speed Shop. I only worked there for three months, um, knew it wasn't really for me. And then I moved on to SS Automotive and Restoration up in uh, Newport News, Virginia, doing hot rods and service work there as well. I did some fun builds. I really enjoyed it. I learned a lot. You learn a lot doing hot rods. It's just not not for me. I like the higher end restorations, but I did get to work on a 51 style line, got to do a 64 SS, got to do some engine swaps, got to put some things on bags, just a lot of cool stuff I don't normally get to do. The fact that you're cutting into things and changing them from the way they originally were into hot rods. Would you rather be doing preservation work than uh, modification? Yeah, I, I really enjoy preservation work. I like taking things back to their original state. Uh, I like fixing things. And hot rodding is very much taking something and making it different. And most times a better way. You fix a lot of problems with hot rodding. But the act of bringing something back to life is much more satisfying for me. Were you prepared to do this kind of work after graduating from McPherson, or was McPherson more of a primer for what was going to come? It was it was definitely a primer. I went into college knowing that college is the foundation of your house. It's the foundation of your career, and then you build your walls and your roof from there. So I went in, I went in McPherson knowing nothing about antique cars. Um, I used it to build my foundation. And then when I went out into the world and I got into hot rodding, I was a little in over my head, um, but it's kind of a sink or swim situation. So I swam and I did perfectly fine. Um, again, really enjoyed it. Would probably go back to it someday when I'm tired of restoration work. 
So what new skills did you take away from working on hot rods that you didn't have before? Specifically, I think that you have when you do hot rodding, you have to accept that it is okay to change things. It is okay to take risks and it is okay to trust your gut. Um, I learned a lot about cutting into door skins. I learned a lot about wiring. Um, wiring is actually one of my my better skills. And I definitely feel like I had to go through the hot rodding industry to come out on the other side of wiring. I'm guessing when you're concentrating on restoration and preservation rather than modification, you do more research into the cars. How have you learned to research rare cars? And is it something you had to learn on your own or did you, uh, you have any additional direction? Did you have anybody leading you? Not leading directly. I got very lucky. Um, I'm actually really good friends with my high school English teacher, and she taught me how to write, how to research. And then when I went to McPherson, I took, obviously, Chris Paulson's research and documentation class, and it kind of fit in with what she had taught me. And then when I got out into the real world, I found I really had a knack for kind of hunting down weird information and people who know things about weird cars. For me, it's 50% skill and then 50% luck, but sometimes it's as easy as calling FCA. They have a history division where you can find all that information, and sometimes I find nothing. (laughs) What do you do when traditional methods don't work? You start calling anybody who might be helpful, and sometimes they find you. We put videos up on our YouTube, and If we need help, people will actually call us and say, I have this car or a similar model and I can help you and they'll give us information. And then sometimes I'm able to track down previous owners and they usually have some information on the car as well. That kind of sounds like what I was going to ask next. Are there times when the Internet or social media doesn't have a solution for you? Oh, all the time. (laughs) All the time. For example, we had a we have a 54 Packard that's in our shop and it has an aftermarket AC from 54. It was a dealership option. There is no literature anywhere about it. And it has a Packard like factory AC, I think had a four switch system and this one had a three switch system. So using the information on Packard system, I managed to hotwire this AC system up so it ran on three or three switches instead of four or vice versa. But I basically um, retro-engineered the wiring harness because I couldn't find any uh, like information on it. Retro-engineered is French for, oh, this wire's extra, this don't need this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have somebody who taught you uh, these skills before you got into McPherson? Uh, how do you go about finding your skills and your career path? And uh, who was showing you the way or was anybody showing you the way? There was no one showing me the way before McPherson. My dad, by trade, was a carpenter. And then he firmly believed that you should be able to fix your own house. And so he taught me, you know, how to take care of a home. But he was not a car guy. Um, I had to beg him to teach me how to change like a tire. I think I might know that dad. I think I might be related to that dad. (laughs) Growing up, uh, I never lived in a house that he didn't take a chainsaw to at one time or another. (laughs) So 
you know, uh, Dad wants you to get out of bed early on Saturday morning. You're not watching Scooby-Doo. We have a project. Oh, crap. Another project. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I might know that, Dad. It's something. When I was 16, my boyfriend broke up with me a week before my birthday. And my dad said, well, get up on the roof and fix the roof and make sure his he the nail heads are his face. <laughs> <laughs> way to find motivation. <laughs> dad, give me that waffle head. I'm going to fix this up. <laughs> no, he he's great. He's my biggest supporter. But that was my education. And then when I accidentally signed up for small gas engines, I was teaching myself. I was teaching myself. I was grading the classes tests. I was writing lesson plans. Um, the The teacher wanted to be there. I just don't know if he was great at paperwork. So a lot of it got pushed onto me, okay. which was a great learning opportunity. Wow. Now, what was it you were trying to take that you accidentally checked off, you know, engine repair rather than what? Please remember, I was a dumb 14-year-old girl. Um, I was seeing someone at the time, and we were about to go into sophomore year, and he was like, we should take a class together. And I was like, sure. And they had a gasoline service technology, and I thought it was like automotive. And I was like, well, my dad's not going to teach me. I should learn. And I signed up. We did not stay together, but I ended up in the class for the next three years because I liked it so much. <laughs> so. <laughs> nice. Well, and that she parlayed that and McPherson, and you were involved in Bogey's Girl Gang Garage, uh, a build that eventually wound up at SEMA. Can you tell us how you wound up involved with that and what was the build and uh, how did the project go? So Bogey on Wednesdays, Bogey does a tradeswoman happy hour where she she sits down with a woman over Instagram and they have a drink together and it's just like a little podcast she does and someone had must have re like referenced me or something because she contacted me, we did the happy hour and then she invited me out to her shop where every year they do a build that's all women and only and I was at a weird point in my career. So I was like, okay, I'll go. So I flew out. I was there for, I think, like three days, maybe. The car is called the Iron Maven. It is a antique Volvo body on a modern Volvo chassis. It's a cool build. They chopped it. They stretched it. They widened it. They put it. It's cool. It's fun. I was only there for a short amount of time. So I basically made the hood hinges for the car. That was all I did was I, I met like, manufactured i manufactured the hood hinges for the car and i was pulling like 16 hour days there and it was so fun it was a great experience 10 out of 10 would do it again for the uninitiated uh, <clears throat> mark shush can you explain <laughs> who bogey is i did not know of bogey before i did her podcast um she is she she's on all girl garage on i believe motor trend i don't even know how to describe it she hosts um, a like restoration show basically okay the girl okay, knows cool. her stuff. She nice. really does. She's very good at what she does. And from the pictures, it looks like she involved all the women car builders and car fiends she could and more power to her. God bless her for that. I love seeing women involved in that world. And it's fantastic. And the embarrassing thing is, and the thing I have to admit now, Bella probably knows more about building a car than I do, but that's okay. That's okay. I, I know we'll who I, I know who to call when I hit a wall. Yeah. <laughs> so what your your dad 
obviously proud of you. And, uh, you know, I've seen pictures of your dad with his arm around you. He's very proud of you. What did your dad say to you that prompted you to buy him a car? And what was the car? What was that car? When I said I told my parents I wanted to go to McPherson College, uh, I kind of caught him off guard because I had been going for teaching for four years. And my dad was like, well, if I'm going to send you to this college, I better get a car out of it. Oh, really? So, yeah. <laughs> so three years goes by. I'm in my senior year at McPherson. I'm in Luke Channel's chassis class. I walk out into the boneyard and there is this absolutely stunning 1967 Tempest just Ooh. sitting there. It had been donated to the school. They didn't want to do anything to it because they were doing the Mercedes-Benz project. I called my mom up and I said, do you want to split this car with me? And she, my brother and I all went in on it and I got the car for him and I spent my entire senior year getting it running and driving. Ooh, cool. What color was it? It is the most pretty turquoise. And what's under the hood? So right now it has a 389 um, racing engine. It's got the built heads and everything. Um, it originally came with the smaller engine. And then I also have a, a Muncie Spore Speed I'm going to put behind it. Damn. So kind of a sleeper GTO. Yeah, I was yeah say. and it's, it's on the original d uh, drum brakes. So it doesn't break fast, but it goes fast. <laughs> I, I can relate to that. Uh, it, that red and white Corvette that was late to show up one year at the show. Same thing, drum, four-wheel drum brakes and a panic stop will change your thoughts on religion. <laughs> oh, yeah. With the lap belts, too, you're just praying not to get sliced in half sometimes. <laughs> so what did your dad say when you surprised him with the car? He cried. It was so Aww. cute. I, I worked at the McPherson College Miller Library uh, in the automotive restoration section when they were giving away a bunch of books. And they had two Ferrari books completely in Italian that they were giving away. And my dad is a, an Italian immigrant. So I took the title and I stuffed the title in between the pages and I gave him the books. And he was like, why are you giving me books? And I was like, open them. And he like looked at it and he just started crying. It was oh, so sweet. Oh, oh, very sweet. Well very played. Sweet. <laughs> uh, was it a special occasion or just towards the end of the year? It was Christmas. I had gone home for Christmas. Um, I only ever went home for Christmas. So it was like the one time of year where I got to see my family. Oh, and you gave your dad a car. That's so very cool. Now, I assume that you didn't bring the, heart, the car home with you that Christmas. Uh, how long was it before you were actually physically able to give it to him? It was about a year, only because the engine had a really bad rod knock and I had gotten the job in Florida. So the car stayed in Kansas. I got the 389. And then my dad and I loaded the 389 in the back of my six-cylinder Ranger and drove from Lakeland, Florida to Kansas to drop in an engine. And then a year later, he went back, picked up the car, road-tripped it from Kansas to Virginia, and then down to Florida. Oh, wow. very cool. Very cool. Yeah. Was it eventful? Did the car make it without any problems? Made it without any problems. Made it through muddy, pothole-ridden roads. It, it's a great car. It, it's, I don't think it's ever broken down. Were you, were you breaking your arm, patting yourself on the back? I did such a good job. I'm <laughs> I, was, I was too busy praying that they would make it. <laughs> <laughs> there is that. Uh, <laughs> I can relate to that, yes. Uh, so you currently work at Graveyard Run Restorations. 
Tell us what you do. Do you have a specialty? Do you do a little bit of everything? Uh, what are you working on? Just spill it. For anyone who doesn't know, Graveyard Run Restorations is a very small shop in Bradyville, Tennessee. We're AACA um, award-winning shop. We do pre-1970s vehicles and then the occasional 1970 vehicle. I was hired on as the mechanic at a period when COVID was like going through. And I ended up being one of the only techs there for quite a while. And so I've done body work. I've done mechanics. I've done paint. Um, I've done final assembly and disassembly. I've done the research and doc. Uh, right now, we are fully staffed. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm back to being uh, the mechanic, the electrician, the final assembly person. And I'm just having a ball. The car I'm working on currently is a 1948 Chevrolet Fleet Master convertible. It's a full nut and bolt restoration. It's going to go for all its AACA awards soon. Right now, it's in the process of final assembly. We're waiting for Chrome to get back from Brightworks, but they're they're busy with Pebble Beach, so sure. no rush on that. The other car I'm working on is a 1941 Nash Ambassador 6 convertible. They're very rare. Yeah. Uh, most of them were destroyed. And then we have a Pierce Arrow, a 1923 Pierce Arrow. Good Lord. Um, yeah, we have some cool cars hidden. We have a 1963 Lincoln Continental that's going to be going for Hilton Head, hopefully. Fingers crossed. We're working on that one. We just finished a 1963 Corvair and a 1976 MG Midget. Both of those were convertibles. You have worked on other award-winning cars. And in fact, when we first discussed having you on the show a zillion years ago, you had one that had won several different awards. Uh, what was that car and where all did it go? So we are known as the shop that has restored two 1937 Chrysler Imperial C14 convertibles. When we restored them, there was only four known. I think there's about six known now. They are incredibly rare. They are incredibly beautiful. Bloody Mary, the red one, was sold at auction recently. I couldn't tell you which auction. I have no clue. And then the one we are most proud of, Black Betty, is actually sitting in the shop. It is about to go to Indianapolis. There's a AACA meeting coming up. and It's about to go for its Grand Nationals. Okay. That had won some awards. Where did it win? What did it win? It won, I believe, Best in Show at Hershey. Wow. At the AACA meet in Hershey. I believe, I think it went to Hilton Head last year. I, there's so many car shows we show at that I get kind of lost. They were just at Keeneland with a 1925 uh, Chrysler Touring sedan, so I'm a little wonky on what shows are where now. <laughs> and what did you work on on that car? Um, I did final assembly work on it, so just putting the trim on, putting the cowl on, uh, getting the hood lined up. I did a little bit of work on the upholstery, not much. When I joined Graveyard, the car was about 80% done. And so I was just on like the tail end of putting it together. Now, when you're doing final assembly, I, I get that means the trim and you're putting emblems on and things like that. But that also means the rest of the car is finished. One, how do you not, how, how do you keep from being completely freaking paranoid when you're assembling oh God, this yeah. thing, knowing you cannot, cannot damage anything else Two. Have you ever damaged anything else while you were putting something together? <laughs> and three, if you do, how do you fix it? 
And and also, how do you go to your boss and say, mm, I made a mistake? <laughs> oh, boy, that's a lot of questions. Okay. Um, you can't get rid of that paranoia. When you have a multi-million dollar car in front of you and it is in final paint and you are you are praying to whatever deity you believe in, <laughs> you are not going to mess up. You, I go through <laughs> rolls and rolls and rolls of yellow tape because I am so scared of chipping the paint. I'm terrified. That being said, I have chipped paint. I, I've done it and it's okay because I, you know what? People make mistakes. I force away the nausea and I go tell my boss and I cry a little when I get home and we're good to go for the next day. <laughs> there used to be an instructor in the program at McPherson and I don't know if, if you were there. I think he was long gone by the time you got there, but Jamie Hart was always fond of Sammy saying, anything you can restore once, you can restore twice. <laughs> it's true. It's, and that's that's what happens when you mess up is you have to go back and you have to fix it. That car has to be perfect when it is shown on the field. And that means if you chip a fender, you're repainting that fender. Uh, that's a lot of money down the drain. <laughs> yeah. And, and I'm I'm guessing also a real sinking feeling in your gut thinking, oh, my Lord, what have I done? It, it's a definite like confidence destroyer. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> OK, so. When you're doing final assembly, you're adding all this stuff on. You say you use yellow tape to try and avoid chipping any paint. Uh, any other tips, tricks, or hints for people who are working on their own stuff? Go slow. Go careful. It doesn't have to be done that night. It does not. An over-tightened bolt can do a lot of damage. Yes. Loctite, like wet Loctite will eat through paint. There are there's certain things that you learn by experience and experience only. And if you're patient enough and you are careful enough and paranoid enough, hmm. you'll be fine. I've also found out that if you let gasoline sit on paint long enough, it'll bubble it. Yeah, less so with newer uh, concoctions of paint. But for the longest time, gasoline would eat through any paint. Yeah, I found a spot on my Harley gas tank this last weekend. Damn it. Damn it. All right, Bella. It, now you're in the crosshairs. It's the question we ask everybody. What is the dumbest thing you've ever done in a car? All right. So this is definitely a what were you thinking dumb. So bear with me. <laughs> Sweetie, they all yeah. are. They all sure. are. <laughs> <laughs> this one's especially bad. We had a car that we were servicing and the mechanic who worked on it before me was supposed to do the brakes. And I don't know if I'm allowed to tell this story. It's probably statute of limitations. You're all right. Yeah, Just yeah. go ahead. Okay. So I was tasked with driving the car on its maiden voyage 30 minutes to my house. So I'm driving along. I'm working with the newly restored AC. I'm blaring the vintage radio. We just got working. I'm doing all the stuff. I get into town where I live and I notice I am overheating. And I'm like, I am five minutes from home. I can make it. I can oh, totally no, make it. No. I'm, I'm on a four lane highway. I go to turn onto my road. I hit the brakes. No brakes. Oh, God. I take that right turn going about 45, 50. I'm lucky no one was in the other lane. Um, and I am in a very, very close quarters neighborhood where kids, I'm right down the road from a middle school. Oh, my God. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. So I'm driving around and I'm like, OK, I don't have brakes. I'm going down a hill. I can do this. I pull on the e-brake. The e-brake doesn't engage. Oh, my God. This is the shakedown I, drive. <laughs> yeah. So I'm 
And this is not the first time I've gone without brakes, but this is the first time I've legitimately been terrified for my life. I pull the next right turn and I'm just going in circles at this point because I am trying to figure out what to do because there are kids out in the street. Flinging hubcaps off. (laughs) uh, It's bad. So I throw it in neutral and I'm like, maybe I'll slow down. I pick up speeds by some miracle. (laughs) I'm assuming I'm going downhill and I'm like, okay, I have a choice here. Either I can go 40 in this middle school occupied neighborhood where I need to, I need to like pull into my front yard. I'm like, okay, if I time this correctly, I can pull into my front yard and the momentum will stop me. There's a retaining wall right at the edge of my property that intersects with my flower bed. So I'm in neutral. I have the e-brake pulled out. I have no brakes. I start to creep to a stop in my, my front yard and I hit the flower. I hit the flower garden. <laughs> the car totally fine me very shaken i called my coworker who lives like five minutes down the road and i am crying because yes. i think i'm gonna get fired i on top of that i was pretty sure i was gonna die or kill somebody it was oh not fun God. <laughs> we we got the car back to the shop the next morning and um the brakes had never been done on one side of the car. <laughs> and so the, when I hit the, when it overheated and it boiled the brake fluid, um, it just wrecked the, uh, oh, you, you know, Mark, shisa. since we've been doing this show and road muscle oh. radio and we're approaching 300 shows, we're yeah. almost there. <laughs> this is the first time I've ever asked this question and I feel myself getting tense while she's explaining. I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah, crap, crap, that's crap. that's the most puckered I've been for a story. I'm like, oh, how's it going to end? How's it going to end? Oh. <laughs> it, it, it was a series of unfortunate events that I don't think anyone could have predicted or stopped. We're all lucky. I saw my dead grandfather that night. I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs> now, what did you learn from it? If, if the same thing happened now, what would you do? I have always been a big fan of checklists. Um, and prior to this job, I had always had a checklist. Mm-hmm. And I went in that day and I typed up a checklist and I said, any car that comes through this shop, this is what we're checking. Yeah, And we've no been good kidding. about it. Been nice. really good about it. And that will be horn brakes and emergency brake. Thanks. Yeah. All of the above. All right. Bonus question for you, Bella. Tell Mark about the first time you met me. I, okay, <laughs> I was very stressed and I feel very bad. Let's, we, back, I, let's back up. How long ago was the show? Oh, man. This has been about five or six years ago. It's pre-COVID. Yeah. So Sam Cotell and I ran Cars Show that year. And the deal was that we cleared out all the parking spaces in front of Templeton, which is the automotive hall, for registration the next day and basically if someone pulled up and parked you went out and you told them you're not allowed to park here we had like kids running out with cones just trying to block everything off so no one tells us that brett is coming well and i have been yelling at and i'm nobody special at that show so it doesn't make (laughs) any difference the problem was uh i managed to get the corvette down to mcpherson and it started overheating on me i was having mm. some real problems with it and it was having an electrical issue as well yeah and, and then I, the brakes went out and then there was this well, garden that no, 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 the, the, you the killed brakes, eight gnomes on the way you son of a bitch <laughs> yeah but they're little and you can just pick them out of the grill it's no big deal you know it's it's a bunch of little hats. They were stuck yeah. to the radiator. No wonder it was overheating. <laughs> Brett pulls in. I've been yelling at dumb young adults all day. And I run out, probably hair wild. You can't freaking park here. 
And Brett goes, listen, lady. <laughs> no. no, I did not. And finally, uh, Luke Channel stepped out and was like, he's I, he's here for me. And I was like, I, I'm sorry. Well, I pulled over because Luke had said I could pull it in the shop and we could try to figure out what was going on with the car. Because it was my sole transportation. I didn't tow it down there. I drove it down there. And if the car didn't work, I was stuck. <laughs> so uh, I I needed help and I pulled up not knowing what was going on Bella came out fire in her eyes pretty sure she was going to kill me on the spot and <laughs> I, I didn't need to be dead and she didn't need the mess so I was just trying to explain to her no 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 listen I'm just here for a second <laughs> nice not uh, my finest hour <laughs> yeah well it uh, you were trying to organize lots and lots of stuff. And again, for those of who have not been there, have not seen it or are not familiar, the car show at the college is huge. There is not a lot of grass on campus that isn't covered with collector cars, vintage stuff, antiques, everything else. And the kids organize all this. Yeah. And Bella and her sidekick had organized everything last day before the show she's she's got a little on her plate and <laughs> here comes mr smartass in his car yeah. i'll just park here i just park here yeah i, I deserve to be you know here. who i am <laughs> neither do i you know i tell you what uh after after being on the smoking tire with uh matt farah and having him tell me the story of spike ferriston pulling a do you know who i am and having it backfire on him hell no i'd never say that out loud <laughs> not a chance <laughs> That's the thing is because I didn't come from a car background. No, I had no clue who you were. Well, and, and why? Why <laughs> would you? <laughs> and and why would you? Okay, uh, but yeah, I just I pulled up because my car was barely running, and Luke told me to take it over there, and I wasn't sure where to be. I thought Bella was going to take my head off. <laughs> well done, Bella. Well done. <laughs> There's not many people uh, Brett fears. Good uh, to know uh, you're one of them. <laughs> I, uh, I was afraid that day. <laughs> We've been speaking with Bella Zakia of Graveyard Run Restorations. Bella, if you could please take a moment and tell everybody where we can find you online and on social media. Um, I'm pretty private. You can find me on Facebook at Bella Zakia, and I have an Instagram, and that is Belly Zakia, and that's it. And Graveyard Run? Uh, Graveyard Run has an Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube channel. Check out our YouTube channel. That one's pretty good. And what's the website? Graveyardrun.com, I believe. Yep, that's a lot. Fantastic. Bella, thank you for being with us. Thank you for having me. It was so fun. I'm not kidding. That is the first time I've asked the dumbest thing in a car question, and I've been seriously scared for the person telling the story. I didn't know how it was going to end. I didn't either. So I'm I, thinking I smeared a pack of third graders and yeah, had to pick them out of the I car completely grill. destroyed this car and, you know, came out, you know, a few months later from the hospital. I'm like, oh, my God, where's this story going? Yeah, it was, I uh, don't remember how it ended because I they had to haul me away yeah. in an ambulance. <laughs> I was scared. I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, she's got no brakes. What's she going to do? <laughs> but she made it and it was all happy in the end. Yeah, that is fantastic. Also, the mark of a very good storyteller. Thank you. Yeah. Amen. Now, I. You know, it's my, I've been in a few cars that have lost brakes because, you know, old and cheap. Oh, yeah. But, uh, uh, you know, turning off the engine's a smart one. 
I, I wish I'd done that. This was a few years ago. It was the first time it happened to me. I was test driving a, uh, uh, what was it, a 66 uh, Chrysler Newport. And it had the 440 in it, right? Yeah. And this fellow was selling it. Now, it was a bit eaten out in the back end, just, you know, the, the rear quarters. But the rest of it was fairly pristine. Should have bought it, but no, cheap ass here didn't. However, uh, on the test drive, which is pretty much what sealed the deal for me not buying it, uh, the gentleman, uh, uh, English is a second language, uh, oh, no. but from far, far away, um, this gentleman uh, was riding along. I'm driving it. And I was like, I'm going to, since this is 440, I'm going to put my foot in it. You mind? And he's like, no, you know, go go ahead. So I'm like, rock and roll. I put my foot into it. It friggin' stayed. Oh. It stayed. Okay. And I'm I'm losing my shit. That's uh, my poop. Sorry. That's one of the times I should have shut off the engine. Should have just shut it off. What happened was the linkage on the uh, carb uh, got stuck. The -hmm. gas pedal was fine. The linkage was like, no, give me more gas, period. And so that engine, I've got my foot on the brake. I'm power braking at a stoplight, <laughs> and it makes a real weird smell when you do that. Yeah, I bet it does. It smells a lot like burnt rubber. Yeah, it does. And clutch. So, um, yeah, that was uh, that was exciting. And for, for her to you know be rolling around in your own neighborhood oh, yeah. with no brakes in a brand new, completely just rebuilt vehicle, damn. So... We've talked about this before, that I never answer that question when we're on this show. Because, first of all, I can't narrow it down. I don't Uh, think there's a statute of limitations long enough for what you did. Oh, God. (laughs) That's going to take generations, dude. I got got bookshelves full of stupid. (laughs) There's so much of it. And my dad still listens to the show, and I don't want to tell him most of it. None of it was with your car's dad. That yeah. statute of, never, of limitations never runs out. Oh, no, no, no. No. That's an elephant memory. Because next time you see your daddy, he looks at you and says, really? So Stupid. that's how that got that dent? Yeah. Well, that's the first part. <laughs> Secondly, uh, I don't always remember it because, again, bookshelves, piles of stupid. <laughs> but I do remember this. First summer working at the lumberyard. Uh, the, the new guy or the boss's kid or whoever it is gets the crappiest truck and I got the crappiest truck and I was out doing what's called a return. When they get done building the house, you have to take a truck, go out and hand load all the stuff that's still able to be used and bring it back and you give the customer a credit. So I, I went out and I did a return for one of our lumber salesmen who had the motto, send a lot out, pick a lot up. And the truck was full to the top of the headache rack on the back, full, (laughs) you know, tons of material. And it's a day like today. It's 90 bazillion degrees outside. And I'm wearing a pair of Chuck Taylors and a pair of gym shorts and just sweating my tail off and covered in dirt and just awful. I'm driving back with this full load of stuff on the truck. And the guy who had had the truck before me who had driven this particular truck may or may not have been rather heavy set to the point that the the seat had been completely blown out the back and in order to make a seat out of it we took rolls of sill seal and crammed up behind the seat so the seat would be a seat rather than a frame with some stuff falling off of it the air intake for the brakes was on the floor behind the seat oh no 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 
don't get ahead of me. Okay. I'm coming off of a ramp on 10 Highway at Ridgeview Road when there wasn't anything on Ridgeview Road for <laughs> miles. You went from 10 Highway, Mark, you know Olathe, mm-hmm. to Kansas City Road, and the first thing of any kind of civilization is that Circle K that's there. There are no radios in our trucks. This is long before cell phones. Yeah. I'm that old. <laughs> Coming up the ramp, the truck's carbureted. It's got an air cleaner on it that was probably eight or nine inches tall. The air cleaner cover is shaking around and it snapped off the spindle that came up through the center what? of the carb and dropped it down through the back bowls on the carburetor. So I'm cooking right along. I have thousands of pounds of lumber on the back of this truck. And as I'm bouncing around, one of the rolls of sill seal had dropped down over the foam air intake for the brakes. Oh, my God. So I'm doing 70. I got thousands on the on the back of this truck and i gotta hit the brakes and there aren't any crappy brakes oh my god oh my god is right (laughs) shut the truck off and start downshifting yeah and that's exactly what i did and while i'm downshifting i'm reaching behind the seat trying to cram that damn sill seal up and get it off the air intake for the brakes (laughs) finally managed to get i got the truck stopped about five feet behind an antique driving a Toyota Corolla. I was going to turn her into oh, a bug splat. Dude, 17 yeah. years old, going to prison. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. So when Bella is saying, I got no brakes, I'm back in that truck. Yeah. I got no brakes. <laughs> uh, triggering moment. <laughs> oh, 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 I'm going to need a drink and a quiet place to sit. <laughs> I love you, Mom. I love you, Dad. <laughs> and that, boys and girls is one of the few stories I've got. And the reason I don't normally answer the question, what's the dumbest thing you've ever done in a car? Because the list is so stinking long. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) And good night. (laughs) Thank you for spending your time with Driven Radio. Oh, my God, I'm scared right now. (laughs) We love what we do, and we wouldn't be able to do it without the support of our listeners. You can find us online at DrivenRadioShow.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Driven Radio Show, and on LinkedIn as Driven Radio Show Podcast. Also, listen anywhere fine podcasts are heard. I am Brett Hatfield from Mark L. Groves. Yep. Fitty. Fitty. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time on Driven Radio. (laughs) We'll